It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. New year, uh, which means it's you know a great new year to keep talking about X-Wing, that game we all used to play. <laughs> and hope to play again someday. And uh, we also have John McDermott here. Carson's intro is too short, so, or too long, so I'll keep mine short. Hello. Thank you. Well, then, and then it got long there after you stuttered, so that you know completely it's negated fine. the point. Seems it's all fine with this podcast. And, you know, this is a fresh start for us, so we can you know we're exploring this space again. We're trying to figure out how to do a podcast. We took a week off here to celebrate the new year, but we're we're in 2021 now. We're still planning on doing a weekly podcast here for the foreseeable future. We still don't know when we're going to be able to regularly meet in person for X Wing. But we are committed to providing you with the best X-Wing content we can. So we've decided to that end to start a new series with the new year. Carson, can you tell our listeners a little bit about this new series? Yeah, so here we're going to be taking a deep dive at all of the exciting uh, ship types. You know, with our series, we've done a lot of kind of broad approaches looking at, you know, trends along um, different ships, different squads. Uh, we're kind of going to take the opposite approach and just really focus in on just one ship at a time. Yeah, so we're gonna we'll start this new series. We'll probably do it for a few weeks here and then break it up throughout uh, the foreseeable future. But we're gonna get real specific here. Talk about just one ship type uh, a time, and this is a good opportunity too because you know when new ships come out, we often have the opportunity to talk about the new ships coming out. But there's a lot of ships that already existed. Uh, especially with all the conversion kits going into second edition uh, that we haven't gotten to talk about specifically in second edition. So uh, today we'll start that off by dedicating a whole episode to just a single ship. So uh, not so listeners place your bet now for which ship you think we are going to start this series off with. And let's hope I don't just forget this and put it in the title. All right. So um, it's a pretty clear choice what ship we chose first. Um, in the Star Wars lore, probably one of the most iconic ships is the X-Wing. Uh, this podcast is about a game called X-Wing, so I think it makes perfect sense that we start the series by talking about the G1A Starfighter. Yeah, I think the G1A really kind of encapsulates like the theme of the game and the spirit of you know what it is we're all getting together to play and talk about here, so I think it's a great place to start. Well, when they were throwing ideas around for 2nd Edition, I know that they thought about changing the name. Instead of X-Wing 2nd Edition, they were just going to call it G1A 1st Edition. Um, but I think, you know, at the last minute they scrapped that anyway. Um, so we picked this ship because I feel like, you know, of the ships we've talked about, there are some of those iconic ones we have done specific episodes about in the past. So it's more fun to focus on something I'm sure we haven't focused on before in our 200 some episode history. Well, and also the G1A is just a cool ship and and we kind of just wanted to talk about it. So here we are, right? Uh, yeah, so um, we'll get, let's get through the boilerplate stuff here, like the, the straightforward stuff. So this ship falls into what we categorize as a heavy fighter. Um, I think it's episode uh, 209, if you want to hear a whole episode where we talk about uh, what heavy fighters are. General points are they have pretty moderate to good survivability, so they have higher hit point thresholds. Um, they generally have pretty reliable offense, and they are very strong early game, just because they tend to survive a lot of hits early on, and they can put out a lot of damage. So general traits of a heavy fighter, and this ship falls squarely into that category. 
Yeah, the G1A is on a medium base. It's got all those things you just talked about, Tim. Uh, lower defensive ability, which you know we see kind of across heavy fighters as well. Only one green dice on this one. Um, what's cool about the G1A specifically is that it has some neat tricks that kind of separate it from heavy fighters, uh, primarily in its ability to kind of control specific areas of the board and some unique actions that it has that some of the other heavy fighters don't. Yeah, it's actually kind of one of the outliers on the heavy fighter spectrum. It's really high on the hit point threshold, so it's got nine hit points, uh, which is like an exception for heavy fighters. Usually they're kind of in that six to eight category. Um, so this is really pushing the limit there. And having the control effects, too, having a jam built in and be white is a, is a huge boost for this ship. Right, and just, like, looking at that hit points, like, it doesn't seem like it's much like, oh, it's got one more hit point than a B-Wing. But there's just kind of, like, important thresholds within this game where, like, one extra hit point, like, does matter. I mean, just off the bat, like, there's a few important things there, you know, just having... An odd number of hit points is great just for that half point threshold and just, you know, maintaining points uh, because these things aren't cheap. I mean, you're getting a lot for those 40 some points, uh, but that's still, a, you know, a sizable chunk in your list. And, um, you know, like the same way, like seven health on a T70 makes that like considerably more survivable than an X-Wing, just that like chance of being just like completely burned down in one turn. Um, that, that nine health threshold is the same, uh, with that one agility. It, it does make a, I think a pretty substantial difference. Um, and this thing's got solid offense built in three attack dice and it's on that medium base. So, you know, the slightly larger arc means it has a slightly larger firing area than a small, a small base ship, uh, which is a huge benefit. And in addition, you know, to having the higher hit point threshold and the strong offense stuff you'd expect with a heavy fighter, um, being in the medium base, which a lot of the heavy fighters we talk about are small base ships, um, you have a lot of more space control with this ship because you can still move pretty far with the dial and you can really, you know, block your opponent pretty effectively with this thing. Yeah, that medium base is pretty sneaky sometimes. You know, you can get it into spots where you think you might not fit, um, and that can really disrupt things for your opponent too. But you did kind of briefly mention the dial there, and the dial for this ship is actually pretty good, um, albeit it has a lot of red maneuvers. And we'll talk about some of the pilots and stuff later on, but um, this ship can kind of slow roll and park as much as it wants, but it's also pretty fast. You know, it's got a four straight, and on that medium base, that's going to, put this ship you know in quite a few different positions I, I think it's hard not to say for the amount of red on this dial this is the best dial with that much red i think like i think that's a pretty fair estimate um i think the value on this it's hard to move at faster speeds with this ship because those tend to be red now that's a perk for you know a certain pilot we'll talk about here in a minute uh but the range of speeds on here is amazing so you go all the way from a red zero stop uh, to like a full gamut of ones and twos, all the way up to the four straight and four K turn. So um, you can cover a huge area with the medium base. So as a blocker, it's great. It can absorb a lot of hits, and it's pretty easy to recover because you've got uh, you know the one one blue banks, which is all you need with this ship to keep on your target, clear the stress. Yeah, that uh, also the two K turn on the dial is certainly not to be underestimated on this ship too. Uh, it's going to get the ship just far enough out to actually be able to complete that turnaround, but you know, still stay within a reasonable range of the ship that it's trying to maintain arc on and probably get a nice you know, maybe range one, range two shot, which with those three reds is pretty dangerous. 
All right, so let's talk about some of the abilities that really make this ship unique. Uh, John, I bet you you've had more experience flying this ship than Carson or I. Um, how often do you find yourself using that jam action? Um, Probably, hmm, it's definitely more than 50%. Uh, I oh, don't geez. know if I'd be able to put like a specific number on it. See, the thing that's really good about that jam is because... You know, this ship, we're, I'm going to jump around here a little bit in our order, but this ship does have access to the sensor upgrade slot, um, which makes it extremely volatile with the advanced sensors upgrade because, you know, you can reveal your stop. If you've got a ship within range one of you, you know, you can reveal that stop, jam them before they move, and then just stay put, uh, which is super powerful. And, of course, that gives you options to take other actions as well. Um, but with jam also now being... Uh, range two and bullseye you know if you've got a ship that you know thought it was safe staying at range two but in your bullseye now you just reveal that stop jam them and now maybe they're rolling into you range one in arc and they're not going to be able to take any tokens which is not great good for you not for them <laughs> that's pretty fun the range two bullseye change was really cool and they just snuck that in there in the last rules update which was which was fun yeah i mean i think the control abilities of the ship are really what does make it stand out from other heavy fighters. You know, it's, you know, got that good offense and yeah, it is a medium base and has more health, which is great. Um, but it's, I get these heavy fighter impacts, uh, with the same cost that you would expect from a heavy fighter. And I get these control abilities, uh, basically for free, you know, we're perhaps limited on mobility compared to some other heavy fighters, but having that white jam, that's great. Just in general, the fact that this ship, like all of its actions natively are white is really good. Like it doesn't have any linked things, but, um, you know, having that target lock be white is really good with those three dice, um, you know, white jam, uh, you know, white calculator focus, depending on what pilot you take. And then especially great if you take that Mist Hunter title too, which gives you a white barrel roll. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of an auto-occlude if you're running at least one of these guys, because I think right now it's at one point or something. And I feel like this ship isn't really in danger of having a points hike anytime soon. But the Mist Hunter title gives you that cannon slot, and it gives you the white barrel roll. For one point, getting a white barrel roll is an insanely good value. So if you're running, I mean, even if you're running the one generic, I might consider it. But definitely if you're running either of the name pilots, you're going to want to throw that title on there. Oh, and it's so good, too, because you see a lot of upgrades, or maybe not a lot, but some that give you the option to maybe take a red barrel roll, and then you could have expert handling to make it white. No, this guy just gets the white barrel roll for one point. Um, you probably don't take the cannon that much, depending on how you're kidding it out. It, personally, I don't, but just one point for a white barrel roll, like, I don't know why you ever wouldn't do that. Well, and, like, comboing that with advanced sensors, also spectacular, because that can, you know, heal up a lot of the issues you might have with the limited maneuvers on the dial, where you could take it in advance and then perform a maneuver. So you get way more positioning, even with the limited maneuvers you have. Well, and also with that barrel roll, you know, let's go back to that medium base and the ship's, like, amazing blocking potential. Like, now for one more point, like, I can be in so many more places, um, you know, I big fan of those bank maneuvers with the barrel roll for blocking like uh you can just really like block a whole squad with one of these ships yeah just put them at that slight angle that's happened to me many a time where you know i'm trying to fly my neat little formation someone throws in one angled base and then suddenly all four of my ships are blocked and i feel bad 
Yeah, the G1A also has access to the crew and illicit slots too. And kind of depending on which pilot you take and how you're kitting it out, like you can flavor it as you desire. Um, I have my particular le- uh, that I like that we'll talk about when we talk about pilots. But um, the the Scum faction certainly has no shortage of crew options um, within the faction and the generic options that it could take. So you can you can put a lot of utility in this thing based on how you want it to operate. I think I have two favorites with crew. I think it's for me, it's either triple zero or IG 88 D. Um, yep. Triple zero, you know, these ships do just want to get in close and personal and triple zero just gives you that added uh, modification or control impact, which is just kind of everything this ship wants to be doing. And then, um, IG 88 D that's more of a synergy package, but these ships can be pretty good support to like two aggressors, you know, uh, getting some calculate tokens and passing them off, uh, through IG 88 A's ability. Um, a lot of cool stuff or just, you know, using two calculates. I think, uh, the thing I appreciate maybe the most about this, uh, ship on the whole is just like the, I feel like it's got a very clean design. Um, where there's no like complicated ship ability. You just have three actions on the base. They're all white, nothing linked. Um, when you even when you add the title, you're just adding another white action there. It's all very straightforward. This ship seems like for a scummy ship, it seems very honest in what it does. Like it's very obvious about how it's gonna take you down um, without having to have any like complicated synergies built into it. Right. Well, the funny thing is, I think games with this like do end up being pretty complicated, but it's not. It's like you know everything it's doing, um, but I think it kind of goes back to that dial because it does have those options and like all of those action choices are also all great. And, and so like it uses, I think, like its whole range of potential in, in most of its games. And I feel like anytime I've had to deal with this, um, especially playing against four loms, like by the time I realize exactly what it's going to do, I've let it get too close to me. And then I've already, you know, I'm already going to suffer the consequences. Nothing I can do once four, four loms at range one. Seems like a good segue to talk about some notable pilots for this ship because there are only three of them. There's <laughs> there's so many pilots. They're all so good. <laughs> <laughs> Every pilot on the ship is great. It is funny too. It's like you get you get one one initiative one pilot and two initiative three pilots and that's it. You're done. Right. No, they they that's hit three great pilots and said, you know what? Let's call it a day. <laughs> yeah, this was the perfect first child, right? Like no need to go for number two. Right. Yeah. We did it right the first time. They'll never get expanded. Right. The, um, the X-Wing took so many pilots to get right. The Cannes Feinsman, <laughs> three pilots. It's all you need. Um, my favorite, probably because I like very linear strategies, I'm a very straightforward person, is Zuckus Initiative 3. While you perform a primary attack, you may roll one additional attack die. If you do, the defender rolls one additional defense die. Um, this is just a very linear ability. It's very straight up clear why it's good because generally it's better to roll more attack dice even if that means your opponent rolls more defense dice because attack dice tend to do more than defense dice do especially if you have mods if you're doing this and you have attack mods and your opponent does not have defense mods this is almost always going to net you more damage on your opponent yeah it's a nice damage boost ability um and you know you don't have to pay that much more points to get zuckus and you get a little initiative boost uh, pretty good value. It's a cool because, like, yes, you can, you know, chase it with, like, double mods, get the sweet Zuckus attack, but you also can just, like, 
not take any upgrades with Zuckus, and that can still be a meaningful contributor. I mean, you take the Miss Hunter title, always. Every time. Come on, Carson. No, we were just talking about no, this. No, because Forlom needs the Miss Hunter title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Forlom, definitely my favorite of the three pilots. I've flown him a lot, and... Unlike Zuckus, I feel like there's just too many upgrades that specifically are way too good with Forlom not to include them. Um, so we were talking about Triple Zero before, which synergizes so well with Forlom. Um, you know, he's got that white calculate action instead of the focus like Zuckus. Um, so I mean, IG the IG crew is good there too. Um, but that Triple Zero, you know, giving him an, potentially an extra calculate if your opponent doesn't want to take the stress. Um, you know, works really well with his ability, which if he's stressed at the end of the turn, he can pass that stress off to someone else at range one. Um, so there's just, there's so much comboing you can do with Forlom. And again, he's initiative three. So it's a really good, like middling point kind of based on the initiative scale. Um, and then of course you take advanced sensors to try to get off that jam, or perhaps you advance sensors a calculate, and then you do your red move and then Forlom gets his calculate anyway. Um, which is really good. So this guy's usually tokened up with calculates or target lock calculate, and he's jamming people, and oh, he's just a beast, and I love it. And because he could do the preemptive you know, action, he might barrel roll and just block you anyway. So you really can't get away from range one once he's close enough to move there. Right, I mean, Forlom's crazy. Like, you get two pilot abilities. Like, you get that throw the stress, you know, at your opponent at range one, and, you know, whenever you do one of those... Um, red maneuvers that you kind of just want to be doing anyway you get that um free calculate token with it like it's awesome <laughs> it totally is two pilot abilities too because like i could very clearly see just like a clone pilot in the future two different clone pilots having each half of Forlom's ability <laughs> yeah and then of course you just staple elusive to him too because he's getting rid of those stress tokens and he can take them however many times he wants. I mean, the dial is basically open season for Forlom, so it's just that much better specifically with his pilot ability. I don't know. It's like <laughs> I kind of look at it and go, you know what? I'm only going to be doing red maneuvers. I, I, I kind of feel like maybe it does shrink the dial um, just because those red maneuvers become incredibly good that it's so hard not to be doing them, which is like a really fun right. place to be for a ship. Yeah, it feels very like in-faction identity for scum just constantly be doing red maneuvers and benefiting from it. I mean, I think like Forlom is probably one of my favorite scum pilots. Like that ship is just like so much fun every time you put it on the table. Uh, and, and I think most of it is because like it has this incredible mobility that you just don't expect uh, from a G1A, right? He's my go-to charity tournament ship <laughs> because he can do a lot of gross things. Well, and yeah, like he's very fun and your opponent's probably not having that much fun because you're just giving <laughs> out all the stress and dealing out damage and with elusive, like he's pretty difficult to destroy. I just like imagine people dreading playing John at a charity tournament. Like they're there to have a good time. They brought their little Z95 list and then John just rolls in with Forlom. It's just a one ship list, basically. Forlom and some flavor. <laughs> I mean, Forlom does it all. Like... When you're up close with that advanced sensors and barrel, like you can be kind of acey, and like the aces also don't get to do their stuff because you stress them out, right? Like, exactly. Well, and name an ace that can like turn around or stop and be double tokened up. You can't because there isn't one. Not gonna happen. 
and it's basically like a white K turn, right? Like if you get to so pass good. that stress away. Well, and what's fun too is like you can pass off that stress to a friendly ship too. So if like you're in a situation where you're just like, oh, I need to either stay where I am or here you go, random fang fighter or sick, have yeah. my stress and I'm just going to do all of my tricks again over and over. All right, are we good? I think we're good. Uh, well, we forgot the noblest, the Grand Feisman. Uh, as as Paul Olson calls it, the Grand Feisman, um, back in whatever episode of Hyperspace Hazard that was. Um, he lost the points on that, too. I mean, yeah, we did. We talked about all the reasons that the Grand Feisman is great. Like, you just get the baseline G1A, and that's awesome, right? Like, you don't have to spend too many points. It's like 41 points. You get that nine health, three attack dice, medium base, that jam action all built in. You can up at one point, take that miss hunter. Like, yes, this is the generic G1A and that's fine. It's still a pretty great ship. It's it's like it's a super tanky scum filler, you know, and in initiative one, you're also going to do some nasty blocking with it. So um, it's got some uses, I think. I, maybe maybe uh, Forlom's the first pick. I think but I think it doesn't see enough table play. Like, yes, Forlom's great, but I'm, Forlom also ends up being a lot more expensive because you gotta give them those toys. They're too much fun. I'm not toys. saying that the Grand Feisman with some toys times four isn't spicy, but I'm also not telling anyone not to try it. So I think and you're going I to think you take a, a solid Forlom and then three Gan Feinsman's, and that seems pretty great. All right, so there you have it. Uh, a deep dive into all the eccentricities of the G1A Starfighter, and specifically all the crazy fun stuff you can do with Forlom. Uh, if you like the ship, let us know. Is, is the G1A one of your favorites? Are you considering trying it now after we've talked about it? Let us know on Facebook. Okay, and one last secret bonus of the G1A. Uh, its repaints all look pretty amazing. I mean, there's just so many, like, it's one of those models where there's so many panels and whatnot that there's so many cool things you can do to paint it. It's a good canvas. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the show a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to everyone who supported the show. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week.